0: Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. In a moment, I'll talk with three people with Columbus City Schools who have started up an elementary school basketball and cheerleading league on the south side of Columbus. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10-TV, Tracy Townsend presents information about the May Primary, a bill that would restrict schools from teaching about sexual orientation and gender identification, a bill to crack down on catalytic converter thefts, and concerns from Licking County residents who live near Intel's planned chip-making factory. And in about 45 minutes, I'll talk with somebody from the Governor's Highway Safety Association about distracted driving. First up on Columbus Perspective, joining me on the phone three folks talking to me it's amber hill rodney johnson and paul jackson they are the founders of the region three elementary basketball league that is uh, taking place involving kids on the south side of columbus how are you i'm
1: great wonderful
2: absolutely phenomenal
0: let's uh start off with each of the three of you give us your name and tell us what else you do in columbus schools before we talk about this basketball league
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Rodney Johnson. I'm the principal at Cedarwood Elementary School. Hello, everybody. I'm Amber Hill. I'm the district PBIS coordinator. I represent um, all 19 schools, middle and um, elementary, middle and high, helping building um, a positive culture and climate for all our stakeholders. Hello, everybody. I'm Paul Jackson. I'm a
3: peak teacher at Eastgate, and uh, I've been there for
0: 14 years. Excellent. And uh, so, Amber, tell us about this Region 3 Elementary Basketball League. How did it get started, and what was the intent behind it?
1: We all came together. We actually collaborated through meeting through our jobs, and we all had a, the same vision of starting a basketball league. Um, I played at Wright State University, so basketball has been a passion for me. Paul played um, at – Um, St. Charles and Southern University, so he had a passion and um, Rodney also had a passion for basketball We wanted to do something special for our scholars in our region to bring something um, positive Experiences and exposure for our students, so we all collaborated and and came up with this idea Absolutely. And and the rest is history. I I think when you bring three
2: like-minded individuals together uh, with the same vision, the same plan, once we all got on the same page, uh, like I said, the rest is history.
0: And so we're talking about 150 students from nine elementary schools. That's a big effort, a lot of coordination that would take place with that.
1: Yeah, well, now we're up to almost 250. We um, included each school, uh, not each school, but some of the schools have cheerleaders as well. So... It's, it's a lot of students, a lot of our scholars are participating in this amazing um, venture that we all brought together.
2: Absolutely. And, and the, the wonderful thing about this now is that we started with 150. We're up to 250 participating in the program, and we're looking to expand, um, not just regionally, but uh, in our entire district. So we're really looking forward to uh, expansion of
0: the program. And the championship game is coming up on Saturday, April 30th at East High School at 10 a.m. And, uh, and fans can come and check this out, right?
1: Yes. It, um, it will be, we're going to do something special for all the schools, announce every single um, participant in front of the, the whole, I mean, in front of the whole student body and the fans. Um, we have a cheer battle. We're going to have East Bend is going to participate. We got contests during halftime that all stakeholders are going to be able to participate in. And we, our finale is the championship who we don't know who that's going to be, which our top two elementary schools, So we're looking forward to an exciting
4: an event. And also we plan to um, introduce um, a lot of the community resources, uh, the people who in our community came out and helped out and picked in for trophies, uniforms, uh, any type of thing we needed. We've had a lot of community support.
1: Yeah, so we're going to have uh, food trucks, vendors there. So it's going to be an amazing, amazing experience for our scholars and our our families and our community. And, and
2: you know what else I'd, I'd like to add, uh, which has been so phenomenal to witness. You know, oftentimes in Columbus, a lot of our families get what I would call a, a bad rap. Um, but... We have had nothing but an extremely positive experience uh, with our parents, with our student bodies, and all of the different staff members that have elected to participate in this program. Um, We have representation from from all different um, types of folks, from all different walks of life, so it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience.
0: Well, you know, I was just thinking, when you've got uh, kids at that age, some who undoubtedly are living in difficult circumstances, and when they are able to put on a uniform, play in a good facility with good basketballs, and play as part of a team, that is a significant event in their life.
1: Yes. We wanted to do something that, I mean, not only just talk about inherit their basketball skills, we wanted to build characters. We want to disperse great human beings out into into the world, so this program, this program is not just about basketball. We're building those lifelong skills that we want to be successful for life long. So it's great to see some of our our some of our scholars who whose behaviors have transformed tremendously just because they want to be a part of something. So we always say, if you give kids ex- experience and exposures, you never know what the world has coming, I mean, what the world has coming for them, because it is, when I say it has been an amazing experience every Saturday, it melts our heart to see our our vision coming to fruition the way it has, and our community and our family really did a tremendous job, and I just want to highlight them, because Southside always get, um, like um, Rodney said, a bad rap, but they are showing up and showing out every Saturday. And you know what else I'd like to add um, to the equation is the fact that
2: each week um, we elected to, instead of charging admission, we solicited donations from our families. And they would bring in canned goods. They would bring in um, socks. They would bring in hygiene products. And then we would donate them to uh, different organizations. Uh, So when Amber said that they're showing up and showing out, that's what she's talking about, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful program to witness and be a part of.
4: Yes, and For me personally, it's been um, a great experience because um, growing up in the east side of Columbus, uh, I can remember participating in a elementary basketball league when my father was coach of a Shepherd Elementary in the um, 70s. So to see it turn full circle and um, to be a part of one of the people who – got this thing going again, it's really been a special treat to see how it um, has uh, had a very positive uh, effect on everybody, Uh, Mm -hmm. not only just the kids, but also the adults that attend the games also.
0: And you mentioned earlier, too, you've got uh, cheerleading involved in it as well. And again, you're picking up some kids that oftentimes are probably getting left behind.
4: Mm Mm-hmm, yes, correct. By making it so that uh, parents don't have to pay to participate, has been a good thing, um, and I think by making it so that nobody has to come out of their pocket as far as the parents to pay for the child to participate, we are getting those kids, like you said, that otherwise wouldn't be able to.
0: Now, they play at Champion Middle School every Saturday. How does that work? How, how do they all get there? And then, you know, what happens that day?
4: Parents
2: have really taken a lead on this. Um, they arrange all the transportation. We have provided a schedule for each school, and they adhere to the schedule. So we haven't had any issues whatsoever in terms of the, the families getting to and from games. Um, so when we say it's been a, a truly comprehensive, um, collective uh, collaborative effort, that's exactly what we mean, um, because none of this would be possible with uh, the help and support of our families and our parents. So it's, it's been great.
1: And when parents see that their kid could be part of something special, parents ensure that their kid get to that that location. We had one father, he, was, he, he said his car broke down. It melted my heart. His car broke down, but he was determined to get his son to the game because he said this is something big and something special and he made it to the game and i was like "Why wow, you could have called tonight, we could have came got you a ride but he i mean our parents will do what they need to do to ensure that their kid can participate so that's something really really special
0: it's uh great uh, for the parents too i mean it's uh it, it provides for a wonderful new social network for them to get to know mm-hmm. other folks throughout the area
1: yes and we um Um, Our family ambassadors have done an amazing job for Columbus City. Each week they have free books, um, free resources for their families, um, tips on how to improve reading um, and mathematical skills. And as well, one thing that melted my heart as well was not only was the parents cheering for their child, they were cheering for everybody's child that was participating, no matter what team. You start to see kids if they, if they foul a kid and the kid fall, they go and pick the kid up. So those type of things mean more to me than wins and losses.
0: Well, when you get these kids uh, together like this, basketball can be a great passion for them. But as you mentioned, it's also a great opportunity to instill some important values with them and, and also to help them develop as they move toward middle school and high school. So can you talk a little bit about what maybe the coaches do in addition to just simple basketball skills and and what they share with the kids?
2: Absolutely. Um, You know, I know a lot of the schools um, and and what I'm going to call coaches and advisors, they're actually taking the time before practice to do like study tables. I know my coaches before practice, they do study tables, an hour of study tables every day that they have practice and a lot of other schools have implemented that same philosophy and so um, it's turned into um, something much more um, comprehensive than just basketball uh, because it's it's translating into positive behaviors it's translating into better academic performance Um, and 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 collectively um, as a whole right we're changing the narrative of the the bad rap again that our parents our students and our region have gotten over the years and so um you know through our collective efforts i think that we are seeing uh, our vision come to fruition
0: and again the uh, championship game is going to be at east high school on uh, saturday april 30th starting at 10 a.m amber can they get involved before that championship game as well or uh, is that kind of the big invitation for everybody
1: um, we will have a playoff game this Saturday at Championship Middle School. Their top four teams will participate to see who will make it onto the championship. We have several contests that will be um, taking place. So if they, anybody that want to contact us, they can um, just email me at ahill two eight zero two at columbus.k12.oh.us if they want to make donations or they want to come volunteer or they just want to show up just come up and show up we'll be there at east high school on the 30th from 9:30 to 12 o'clock and you know what I, I also i'd like to add give a quick shout out
2: to our superintendent whose team has definitely um taken taken this um event and and utilized it to um, further distribute additional resources, educational resources. They provided a ton of free books, Mm -hmm. uh, activities for um, the students. Every single week, um, they provided these resources for families. And so it has served as a wonderful opportunity for the district to kind of springboard and and really put uh, resources in the hands of, of our families.
1: So we shout out Dr. Um, Sandy Womack for his support because this league will not have taken place without him backing us up and supporting us every week. He's been showing up and taking his Saturdays out to come out to celebrate and support us in this league. So we are very grateful. We're very grateful for Dr. Dixon because now that you see how wonderful it is, we can hopefully can expand it throughout the um the district, This is something that's amazing and wonderful for our youngest scholars to get opportunities to participate in things that they love and get opportunities because not, like you said earlier, not every scholar get an opportunity to participate in something because of the various barriers that may be plaguing their family. So I shout out Dr. Dixon and Dr. Womack. I'd like
4: to do a shout out to the, um, since we mentioned the people who uh, have been instrumental in helping us. Get thing going. I'd like to say a special thanks to uh, Trey Burke of the Dallas Mavericks, who paid for the uniforms for the teams. Um, and also a guy, Mark Madison, who is over the Columbus Old Timers Basketball League, who has also um, been assisting us. And we'll continue this during the championship. And uh, also, yeah, my, my, I have, uh, my little brother works for the um, Howard Fairley, works for the Father Up program, who has came in and helped out. We'd like to shout out all those people who have um, taken out time of their free day on a Saturday to come out and be present, ask if there's anything we need, and go ahead and take care of things for us.
1: And um, shout out, uh, James Hill for Hill Management and Consulting. He is he's donating a lot of the decorations and things to really make East High School beautiful from backdrops to balloons and all those things. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all our wonderful sponsors.
0: It's excellent. Talking with Amber Hill, Rodney Johnson, and Paul Jackson. They're the founders of the Region 3 Elementary Basketball League involving 250 students from nine elementary schools. And again, they play every Saturday at Champion Middle School, and then they'll have the championship game on Saturday, April 30th at East High School at 10 a.m. Anything else that you'd like to add?
4: Coming out and join us championship
1: weekend we hope to see everyone there we just appreciate all the love and for you even taking this story we want to make sure that we highlight some great things that columbus city schools is doing especially on the south side of the city
0: excellent well thanks so much for bringing it to our attention and and i hope you have great luck with it and i hope it's just the beginning
1: yes we plan to expand next year for sure um for our um, elementary school. So we we anticipate all 14 elementaries will be participating and we will add um, sixth grade and then we're, we're looking to add other sports next year to come to give them more opportunities, not just with basketball, but other opportunities to participate in chess, soccer, volleyball, track, whatever it may be. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you.
0: thanks for listening. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Courtesy of our sister station WBNS 10 TV, here's Tracy Townsend from her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV.
6: Early voting is underway in Ohio. How the redistricting battle is impacting how you cast your ballot. A controversial bill aimed at limiting what's taught in the classroom is putting Ohio in the national spotlight. How House Bill 616 compares to Florida's recently passed bill. And history made. How Ohio's U.S. senators voted in the confirmation of the first black woman on the U.S. Supreme Court. We thank you so much for joining us for Face the State. I'm Tracy Townsend. Ohio's primary election is officially underway.
5: There's no reason not to make your voice heard. Really no good excuse. Uh, in Ohio, there are ample opportunities to cast your ballot.
6: Absentee ballots are available, or you can vote in person on May 3rd. For this primary, the offices of state senator, state representative, and a member of the State central committee will not appear on the ballot. That's because of the redistricting battle. The new maps were not ready in time, and there is concern that this confusion will lead to even lower voter turnout. Obviously, there's not going to be general assembly, house, or senate, or state central committee races, but
2: there's a lot of things on the ballot um, that uh, that are important, and uh, you know, primary for governor, uh, other statewide offices, uh, as well as some county uh, positions, and um, uh, you know, local local school, fire, and police levies. So. Uh, you know, it, it, it's... You know, I would encourage people to vote at every election cycle, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of important things that are on here that are going to determine who's on the November general election ballot.
6: This means there will have to be a second primary election in our state that will cost millions of dollars. State Rep. Ron Ferguson wants the Ohio Supreme Court to foot the bill for the second primary election. Ferguson introduced a bill that would cut the costs from the high court's funding. The court ruled four legislative maps as unconstitutionally gerrymandered toward the Republican Party. Lawmakers say they did right by Ohio voters with new district maps, but the Supreme Court may still hold them in contempt of court. Republicans approved their own maps instead of using those drawn by independent mapmakers. They say those maps were unfinished. Because of the redistricting fight, Republican Congressman Bob Gibbs, who you see here, is stepping down at the end of his term. In a statement, Gibbs says, the long, drawn-out process is detrimental to the state. The 6 term congressman would have faced Trump-backed Republican Max Miller I under I the new temporary maps. Market. Ohio is in the national spotlight and getting backlash because of controversial proposed legislation in House Bill 616. It would restrict instructional materials on sexual orientation or gender identity. The Ohio Chamber of Commerce voiced concern that this legislation would make it so people wouldn't want to come to the Buckeye State. House Bill 616 hasn't been heard by a committee, but already it is certainly stirring up some passionate responses. Some say it's concerning, while others believe it promotes free and fair discussion. 10TV's Richard Solomon looks at the reasons for and against it.
7: The lessons taught in schools are ones that prepare students for the road ahead. Some lawmakers argue all topics should not be included in the curriculum. State representatives Mike Loichik and Jean Schmidt, both Republicans, introduced a bill that would restrict how teachers talk about sexual orientation and gender identity. Under the bill, educators in schools that violate the law could lose state funding or face suspension. We asked both lawmakers for an interview. Instead, we were sent a statement. Schmidt wrote, The classroom is a place that seeks answers for our children without political activism. Leuchick tweeted Tuesday that Curriculum about gender identity and sexuality has no place in K-3 through classrooms, period. Scott DeMaro, president of the Ohio Education Association, says the legislation is about creating division.
0: It's important so that students have that full range of of experiences and opportunities. Legislation like this is all about creating division.
7: House Bill 616 is similar to the bill that recently passed in Florida.
0: What we don't need is politicians in Washington or
5: politicians in Columbus micromanaging what happens in our classroom.
6: Richard Solomon, 10TV News. And people are comparing the proposed legislation here to Florida's law. Both are aimed at limiting LGBTQ discussions in schools. Supporters say it's a battle over how much, say, parents should have in their children's education. So let's take a look at Florida's law first. It bans instruction or discussion in the classroom about LGBTQ issues for kindergarten through third grade. Parents can sue the school district if it doesn't follow the law. It also requires schools tell parents when their child receives mental health services. Ohio's House Bill 616 also bans discussion on instructional materials about sexual orientation or gender identity for K-3rd through grade. But Ohio takes it a step further, and restricts classroom discussion about those topics for grades 4 through 12, stating the content must be age-appropriate, but the bill doesn't define what is age-appropriate. Second, the bill would also add language that would ban divisive or inherently racist concepts, including critical race theory, intersectional theory, diversity, equity, and inclusion learning. And third, it would allow members of the public to file complaints and sue school employees. If you want to read the Florida law and what's in the Ohio proposed legislation, we have a link to both at 10TV.com under featured links. And remember that Ohio bill is only a proposal at this point. It still needs to go through several committees. We'll continue to watch that. Ohio House Bill 327 is another bill that would ban teaching or promoting, quote, divisive concepts, end quote, which includes ethnicity and race. Opponents say the bill would put a stop to equality efforts and could hurt public health in Columbus. At the Ohio Statehouse, they urged House Speaker Robert Cupp to stop hearings for this bill.
5: As a citizen and a religious leader in Ohio for the past 37 years, I could not believe my eyes. I couldn't believe that this is something that my legislators My representatives, my fellow Ohioans, and in many cases, my fellow Christians would even offer or consider in any way, shape, or form, let alone think of passing
6: as law? State Rep Sarah Fowler-Arthur, who sponsored the bill, argues if the bill is enacted, becomes law, it would help eliminate institutional racism in Ohio. History was made on Capitol Hill when the Senate voted to confirm Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the U.S. Supreme Court.
8: On this vote, the yeas are 53, the nays are 47,
6: and this nomination is confirmed making her the first black woman to sit on the high court. The vote was bipartisan. Three Republicans voted yes with the Democrats. Ohio senators were split on the nominee. Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown met with Judge uh, Brown-Jackson before the vote and afterward announced government. he would vote for uh, that his, history-making confirmation. Congress. Republican Senator Rob Portman voted against it, citing fundamental differences in judicial philosophy. This historic confirmation is something that Ohio Supreme Court Justice Melody Stewart says has been a long time coming. There was an underlying rule for a lot of kids that those are positions that are not for us or that we can't do or that we generally people who look like us don't do. And as, as
2: many doors as we kick in so that people coming behind us can see that
6: the whole gamut of possibilities are open to you, and that's better overall for, for us and for our children. A change in Medicaid coverage kicked in this month. The change is to help new moms. We'll take a look at how expanding postpartum coverage will save lives. 10 investigates exposed a loophole in an Ohio law that makes it harder to go after catalytic converter theft rings. Now, local law enforcers are pushing
9: for change at the statehouse. The future depends on teachers. Every day, teachers are shaping our tomorrows, starting their students on journeys that will change the course of history. Right now, in a classroom somewhere in the United States, there's a teacher inspiring a future scientist who will make preventing pandemics their life's work, sharpening the mind of an aspiring environmentalist who will help combat climate change and generating possibilities for a student who'll be the first in their family to graduate college. It all starts with teachers who meet challenges with creativity, who reinvent education for the future, who work towards a school system that lifts up every child, regardless of race, income, or zip code, and who enable the full potential of our students, our communities, and our country. Explore a career that leaves a legacy you can be proud of. Shape the future teach learn more and receive free support at teach.org
0: this is columbus perspective on the fan Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV.
6: Starting this month, some Ohio moms can get extended postpartum care. It's part of a Medicaid plan which aims to provide long-term medical treatment to new mothers. The new policy covers up to one year of postpartum care. It used to be 60 days of coverage. 10TV spoke with one mother who discovered heart issues about six months after giving birth to her baby. She says without insurance, she might not be alive today. So I went back
8: uh, to another doctor and same thing. It's probably a virus. It might pass, just give it a few days. And it's like, hey, maybe I'm not articulating correctly how I'm feeling. (laughs) So I I just kind of kept on like, okay, well maybe it'll get better. And it didn't get better. I went to the ER and I said, hey, I'm having these symptoms. I don't know what to do. It's, it's feeling very severe for me. Um, I'm typically a healthy person and nothing. I didn't get any answers. So finally, I was to the point where I couldn't walk to my bathroom. Walking to the bathroom a few feet away was a chore for me. I couldn't lift my daughter, who was six months old at the time. Um, it was It was so bad. And I finally said, hey... I need to make an appointment. It was Thanksgiving week. There were doctors out of town, you know, how the holidays are. And they said, there's only one appointment available. It's in 20 minutes. Can you make it? Now, I could barely walk (laughs) at that time. I could barely walk. And I struggled out of the home, made it to the appointment. And almost right away, uh, the doctor picked up on what was going on with me just by looking and seeing how I was (laughs) breathing.
6: Marion was ultimately diagnosed with peripartum cardiomyopathy, which is a weakening of heart muscles. The American Heart Association reports heart problems are the number one killer of new moms. Experts say the Medicaid policy change will also help reduce disparities seen in indigenous and black populations.
9: Uh, Unfortunately, we were talking before about how um, uh, unfortunately, there's a healthcare disparity in our country, um, uh, the rates of um, uh, maternal death within the first year of delivery, the rates of, um, uh, unfortunately, babies dying within their first year of delivery are, are too high, they're higher than so many other um, uh, civilized countries. Um, uh, They're too high in the sense that um, uh, African-American or Black patients, um, they're about three times more likely to die during that first year compared to white patients, um, which is completely unacceptable. Um, And this is another way that we can go and provide additional care and resources so that we can prevent uh, these deaths and, and, and help promote life for these patients.
6: Medicaid covers about 52% of births in our state. Here's what will be covered under the new policy. Postpartum depression, substance use disorder, and cardiac conditions. For a full list of the things the conditions cover, just head to 10TV.com slash featured links. Lawmakers in the Ohio House are considering a bill that would close a loophole when it comes to selling stolen catalytic converters. Ohio is right now ranked eighth in the nation for catalytic converter theft. Ohio law only allows one person to sell one catalytic converter per day at the scrapyard. But if you form a business, you can sell as many converters as you want. The House Criminal Justice Committee heard testimony from local detectives about a bill that is aimed at fixing that issue.
7: And the issue with this is once you register as a vendor or LLC, we in law enforcement can no longer track you. Ohio law
8: enforcement hands are tied Thefts of catalytic converters are happening more frequently than ever before, and most parts can't be traced because they lack identifying characteristics, and scrap metal dealers are buying cut-off converters without restriction. Moreover, when law enforcement does catch one of these thieves, we're unable to get proper justice with deserving felony crimes.
6: House Bill 408 would make it so you have to prove ownership to sell a catalytic converter. 10TV will be sure to keep you updated on how that legislation progresses. A House bill to crack down on... Online pawn shops is now law. Governor Mike DeWine signed the Informed Consumers Act. It requires third-party sellers to disclose information such as names, email addresses, or business tax ID numbers and online marketplaces to verify sellers on its platforms. The goal here is to prevent stolen products from retail stores or warehouses from selling online. State Rep. Haraz Ganbari says this also gives law enforcement a tool To fight organized crime rings
10: what we've seen is there are a lot of law enforcement officers that are spending an inordinate amount of time uh, investigating a lot of these uh, different crimes but again if you are closing uh, the loopholes if you are making it more difficult for the criminals to prey on our folks uh, at the end of the day i want to make sure that this is a signal find a new profession become a productive member of society where you're not having to prey on Uh, innocent folks, where you're not having to take advantage of folks in order for you to get a leg up.
6: Intel coming to Ohio is viewed as a big win by leaders in our state, but homeowners who built homes in this rural part of Licking County say the idea of Intel building just beyond their back doors is unwelcome news. They told reporter Kevin Landers how they see it.
5: One by one, neighbors came. We've been here 23 years. Homeowners. We're losing our lifestyle. Looking to vent. We moved out here because it was a country
0: setting. We had cows
5: and corn for neighbors. About Intel's plan to build near
10: them. Now we'll end up being surrounded by what I call a concrete jungle.
0: I'm excited
3: about what it's going to do for Ohio and for our country. I'm just not excited about being the Bermuda Triangle in the middle of all of it.
5: This farmland will become Intel's $20 billion semiconductor plant along with its suppliers. It's being rezoned from agriculture into a TMD, or technology manufacturing district. New Albany has promised residents a minimum 100-foot building setback from any resident. If a building will exceed 65 feet in height, the minimum required setback increases to 300 feet. The city is adding landscape mounds with a mixture of trees to provide an opacity of 75%.
10: It's not going to be a barrier to sound, and it's not going to be a barrier to light.
9: All of the reasons we moved out here are kind of being stripped away.
5: Homeowners want to know why Intel isn't buying their homes or tearing down others like they did elsewhere around the project site. These homeowners, many of whom have lived here for more than two decades, fear once Intel begins construction their homes will lose value.
11: We're kind of victims. Collateral damage is what it feels like at times.
5: New Albany responded by saying we don't believe the project will negatively impact nearby property values. The experience at other Intel sites indicates responsible growth that actually benefits property values. Intel's plan to develop just beyond this tree line won't happen all at once, but it's what the company will do in the future that as homeowners who live just on the other side worried.
9: With our home size and our acreage, we will have to go at least a half an hour out and pay a million dollars. You can't get what we have here.
5: Kevin Landers, 10TV News.
6: And we did reach out to Intel for comment, but did not hear back. The company expects to start chip production by the year 2025. The semiconductor plant would generate more than 20,000 jobs in the state. Still to come this morning, closure recommended and the news has Ross County veterans scrambling.
10: It becomes a problem because most veterans, when they get out, their support system is their
4: family.
6: After the break, we hear from the VA hospital and Chillicothe about the recommendations and break down what the change could mean for veterans. Plus, don't say autism awareness. Advocates say it's time to move ahead, move on. How they say we can all be a part of the new movement. Vision loss
3: is not something that you feel until it happens.
6: Most people lose their vision
8: from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth.
3: Three
6: million Americans have glaucoma, and
11: half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. So many eye
10: disorders can be treated if caught early. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked.
8: Visit brightfocus.org to learn more
0: columbus perspective is a public affairs presentation of wbns radio the opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of wbns radio its staff management or sponsors
9: you are not your diagnosis
0: a
7: medical chart is not your identity
11: and vision loss does not define you your drive shows who you are and you are not alone because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage.
7: An advocate for hope.
11: You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive
8: the research for the cures we are finding.
7: We're fighting macular degeneration.
9: Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome. And the entire
11: spectrum of blinding retinal diseases.
7: We fund.
9: We fight. We, we win. win. We, we, we,
7: we are, are
4: the,
11: the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness.
7: Join the fight at fightingblindness.org.
0: This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV.
6: A Veterans Affairs facility in Chillicothe, one of the oldest in the country, has been recommended Closure. Those in charge of the facility say patient care is still a top priority, while one veteran says the recommended changes could have a major negative impact on those it serves. Here's 10TV's Bryant Somerville.
10: A VA facility that has been in the heart of Ohio almost 100 years might soon be shutting its doors.
7: It's all so complicated and annoying that it's like, what are we even why like what
10: nathan Connick served in afghanistan with the 82nd airborne division in the u.s army it was during a jump he says he was hurt it started a long road with back pain and mental health issues he's been going to the chillicothe va medical center the last year and a half do you think after reading these recommendations veterans best interests are at heart not in southern ohio After a nationwide assessment of all 171 VA facilities across the country, it has been recommended to, among other things, close the historic VA campus, build an 80-bed community living center in the Circleville area, move 80 beds to Dayton along with inpatient mental health services, and build a multi-specialty clinic in Chillicothe.
8: There's time right now for some changes to be made.
10: Stacia Ruby is the public affairs officer. Diane Garber-Caldwell is the facility planner. They say specific plans, if the recommendations were to be approved early next year, have not fully been developed. What they do know, it is no reason for veterans to panic.
11: Even with these recommendations, the Department of Veterans Affairs and its VA services is not leaving the Chillicothe area Completely.
10: They say care is still the primary mission for the more than 20,000 people it serves in 17 counties. Connick is in Scioto County and says his services would still be available. But his issue is with inpatient services, like surgeries. He says if a veteran has a mental breakdown and needs to be hospitalized, going to Dayton or Columbus or even West Virginia is not always a healthy option. It becomes a problem because most veterans, when they get out, their support system is their family. Garber-Caldwell and Ruby want veterans to know, regardless of what happens, they will never have to re-enroll in VA health care. And that being enrolled entitles them to health care across the country.
8: We want them to, to continue um, with that um, security that we're here for them and that we're we're going to do everything we
6: can to continue to be here for them.
10: In Chillicothe, Bryant-Somerville, 10TV News.
6: And Stacia Ruby says if people want to speak in agreement or disapproval of the recommendation, they need to talk with their state leaders. In January, the recommendations will go to President Biden's desk. Congress should vote on it by the end of next March. (music) Autism awareness month is getting a bit of a makeover. 1 in 44 children is diagnosed with autism. Advocates say it's likely we're all touched directly or indirectly by the disorder in some way. It's one of the reasons for this refresh movement taking autism awareness to autism awareness, acceptance and advocacy month or A4 for short.
9: I'm a mother of a chi- 10-year-old daughter with autism and 7 years ago when she received her diagnosis it changed our whole life.
6: Sarah McClary is not just a parent advocate, she's also a board certified behavior analyst for Hopebridge Autism Therapy. She agrees it's time to move past awareness to acceptance
9: to know um, of their differences and to teach your children at home and at school and in the community about differences and how we accept that.
6: Acceptance and recognition of the fact that kids with autism experience the world differently and may be overwhelmed by a particular environment. And while there's no cure, behavior analysts say early intervention is essential. Signs of autism spectrum disorder can include difficulty with communication and social interactions, obsessive interests, and repetitive behaviors. Applied behavioral analysis and services can allow children with ASD to build skills to learn, grow, and succeed in a world not created for them to easily adapt.
9: And so I think it is time for us to move towards just accepting who they are. They're different and they are so fun and funny and kind and creative in their own ways.
6: Well, we certainly thank you for joining us here on Face the State today. Have a great week.
0: That's again, Tracy Townsend, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV. From their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV.
3: There's a place to share the joy of your team winning it all. And a place to share a laugh about skiing and taking a fall. There's a place to share photos of pets or singing in the choir or the time you ate a pepper and your mouth was on fire. But we could all be better at sharing how we're feeling inside. 76% of employees have struggled with at least one issue that affected their mental health. When you share, you're not alone. Ask about your company's emotional health benefits. Visit part.org/ slash sharing. Brought to you by the American Heart Association.
7: If you worry your friend may be struggling, remember, you don't have to be there to be there. You could say how are you or get a fake tattoo. You can ask with an app if it works for you. You could write him a text or knit him a sweater. If you can't be together, you could write him a letter.
10: Whatever, whatever, did you talking
7: You You could chat on a game, kick off your flip-flops. You could ask on your couch while you binge watch. However you do it, you gotta ask a friend. And if they don't share, you can ask again. Whatever, whatever, whatever
8: gets you talking. Whatever, whatever, whatever gets you talking.
7: Reach out to a friend about their mental health. Learn how you can help at seizetheawkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad
5: Council, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation.
3: Science is not an opinion. People come before pipelines. It's not too late to act on climate. No one is above the law. At Earth Justice, we hold these beliefs to be self-evident. As a national legal nonprofit fighting for your right to a healthy environment. We are 150 plus lawyers representing clients free of charge because now more than ever, the earth needs a good lawyer. No one fights more cases on the environment than earth justice. And we win because these are fights we cannot lose. We win for scientists so they can serve at the EPA. We win at the Supreme Court because clean water is for everyone. We win against fossil fuel plants so communities can breathe freely. If you believe what we believe, then help us fight the good fight and help us keep winning by going to earthjustice.org today. That's earthjustice.org.
9: Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular
8: devices.
7: You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel.
0: Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A
10: message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council.
0: This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and joining me on the phone is Pam Fisher. She's Senior Director of External Engagement for the Governor's Highway Safety Association. How are you?
11: I'm great, Dave.
0: Thanks for talking to us. What is the Governor's Highway Safety Association?
11: Well, we are a national organization based in Washington, D.C. We represent the 57 state and territorial highway safety offices, which include the uh, Highway Safety Office in the great state of Ohio, and we work to advance highway safety issues uh, and make sure that people understand that the decisions we make out there on the road every day do have an effect on everyone's safety.
0: And April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month. What does that mean for you folks?
11: Well, it's a very important time. We're really trying to call attention to a persistent but very preventable problem on our road, which is people being distracted while they're behind the wheel. Uh, we lose over 3,000 people a year to uh, to this problem, and another 400,000 are injured every year. But we know those numbers are much, much, much higher. So we really need to get folks to think about this, um, to really think about what are they doing? Are they likely, you know, do they tend to pick up their phone? Are they looking at their phone? And when it pings at them, you know, we need to recognize that this is a problem that can be prevented. So this gives us a chance to really ratchet it up, if you will, for a public awareness and get people to think about, you know, changing their behavior.
0: You know, when it comes to distracted driving, it's interesting because I think we've probably all eaten while we've driven, which is not a good thing. But The level of distraction of eating compared to talking to somebody on the phone, it's just amazing how much being on a phone completely takes your senses away from driving.
11: Yeah, you're right, Dave. I mean, people think about it with the the idea of holding the phone, right? The, The manual manipulation. But there's also that cognitive piece where we're focused on processing the information that's coming into our ear, what that other person is saying to us. When we do that, we really are taking our mind off the process of driving. Driving is a cognitive task. Talking on your cell phone is a cognitive task. And you can't really do the, the two things at the same time. One of them is going to suffer. And so we have to understand that You know, we need to focus 100% on the activity of driving so that our mind, our hands are on the wheel, right? Our mind's focused on the road and can process what we're seeing out there so that we can take those actions that are necessary because things happen really fast on the road and we have to be able to act quickly to prevent something bad from happening.
0: And just a, a conversation with somebody in the car can also distract you, but at least sometimes that's a second set of eyes that could be on the road. But also I think why... There are laws in some states, at least, against having a bunch of kids uh, in the car when there's a young person driving.
11: Yeah, um, especially for novice drivers, for teen drivers. I've done tons of work in this area, and we know that when you put a teen driver behind the wheel and you have their friends in the car, it definitely increases the potential for distraction and risky driving behaviors overall. So we really need to limit the number of teens that are in that vehicle. Uh, As a parent, as I've raised, a young man who's now driving and doing very well, but you know we know that they are at risk because they are inexperienced, they're immature. So the more we can lessen the likelihood of their of their passengers being in the car, the better it's going to be for them. They're you know going to lower that risk level, and and the chances of them not having an issue happen really is much better.
0: So from a, a law or or even a technical point of view, what? Direction: Are safety advocates going to try to reduce distracted driving?
11: Yeah, thanks for asking that. I mean, what we know is that we'd like to see stronger laws in states. Laws do have an impact on behaviors. People recognize it against the law, and many, many people want to comply with the law. So we want to see stronger laws. We want to see bans on handheld cell phones. And texting. Most states have a primary texting ban in place, but we have just about 13 or so states that have a handheld ban, and we want to see those numbers go up because it can help with enforcement. It's very, very difficult to enforce texting only bans because you have to see, the officer has to see the person holding the phone. And oftentimes they can't see that. It's, it's difficult. Um, and we also need to call attention to the fact that that use of that cell phone, that handheld phone really is tremendously distracting. So if we put it into law, we're sending a very clear message to that driver. This is not safe. We don't want you to do this. You're putting yourself and others on the road at risk.
0: Are there any technical advances, uh, things in cars that are helping to make people better drivers under these circumstances?
11: Absolutely. I mean, we really, uh, we're really we very proud to be working with GM. Uh, we're collaborating with them for Distracted Driving Awareness Month, and we have a big report coming out. Uh, early this summer, and we're doing some other work with them. But I know GM and other manufacturers are really focused on making, uh, limiting the distraction as much as possible in the vehicle, making it easy for folks to do what they need to do to operate that vehicle safely. So there is technology in cars that really are can help with that. And I do believe technology can help us. It's not just all about, you know, it's a bad thing. There are positives to technology. The other thing I want to stress is that we also have other features in the vehicle. Um, automatic emergency braking, lane keeping assist. Those are things in the vehicle that are in many new cars. that if, you know, you do engage in a distracting behavior, there is some, you know, there's kind of a fall safe, if you will, in the vehicle that can help you. But the most You know, the best thing you can do, this best safety feature I always say in a vehicle, is a driver. A driver who is completely engaged in the activity of operating that vehicle. That's the best safety feature in your car.
0: Talking with Pam Fisher, Senior Director of External Engagement for the Governor's Highway Safety Association. Because uh, you may have a driver, you know, especially if you're driving in a city, or an area where the speed limit is, say, 35 or less, where you can uh, get a better look at the person in the car behind you through your rearview mirror, it's just about as important these days, it seems like, to watch the person behind you as the road in front of you, because you want to know if they're doing something, you know, like talking on their phone and, and not paying attention, things like that.
11: Yeah, I I think you raised a very important point. You know, we think of driving as kind of a private activity that we do in our own vehicles. We're in our own space, um, and we're kind of focused on that. But we have to be aware of our surroundings. We have to know what people are doing around us. We have to be very, very attentive. So you do need to be paying attention. I have to tell you honestly, from a personal perspective, I've been driving for a lot of years. I've been doing the safety work for a lot of years. I really try to look and see you know who 's beside me in that other vehicle, who is behind me, what are they doing? If I notice them not being focused on the road and i 'm on a multi lane road i 'm going to get out of their way. I mean, I really want to be you know we, we've got to be we've got to be aware we 've got to really focus on what 's going on, and we have to be prepared to take evasive action if necessary. Um, because we don't often know what that other person is going to do or may be doing. We have to be 100% focused on the road um, because, you know, out there and the decisions they make impact us.
0: Yeah, I agree. If I know that the person behind me is on the phone, I'll pull over and let them get around me. I mean, I could, because, you know, I, I just envision stopping at a traffic light or a stop sign and they they don't stop and plow into the back of me.
11: Yeah, you know, I think I can't overstate it, you know, just be focused on driving, just drive, right? Because you have to be prepared, you've got to be ready to do what you have to do to protect yourself. Um, It's so very important.
0: Talking with uh, Pam Fisher, anything else you'd like to add?
11: Well, I think the one thing that I, I, I really want to point out right now is that we need a cultural shift in this country when it comes to safety, and I'm going to point particularly to this issue of distraction. There seems to be this mindset, and it's been researched by a number of organizations, that people think, well, you know, I, I know that using my cell phone while driving is dangerous. Um, I don't like when other people do it, but I'm okay. I can do it. I'm safe. It's the other person I'm worried about. And what we want folks to understand is, you know, that's not an acceptable response. And that, quite frankly, you may have been able to do it this trip, but something bad could happen in the next trip. And that's often the case. When I mentioned before about, you know, over 3,000 people die in distracted driving crashes annually, people didn't set out that day to use their phone and, and kill someone. It's, these are crashes. These happen, but it's preventable. And so we need folks to understand that the behavior isn't safe. You may think you can do it, but you really can't. And so we need to change this culture. We need to say, I know it's unacceptable. I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to call out my friends and my family members if they do it as well, because I want them to be safe. If I'm riding with them, I certainly you know, want to know that they're going to be 100% attentive so that my safety is you know, not jeopardized. So we do have to change the culture in this country, and each of us has to step up and say, I need to change because I need to make sure that my safety isn't at risk and the decisions I make don't impact others.
0: Is there any indication that people are texting less while they're driving than than say, you know, five years ago or whatever?
11: I, I don't I don't know that there is, Dave, and I wish I could say there was. Um, I, I really do think we have you know, it's a it's a it's a crisis. It's a safety crisis in our country because you know when we think about the behaviors that we're engaging in behind the wheel, whether it's you know being distracted, maybe it's you know getting behind the wheel when you're really really tired and you know you shouldn't, impairment, um, speeding. There's a lot of things we do out there. And we're continuing to see um, an uptick in our fatality numbers across the country. You know, um, in 2020, we we killed over 38,000 people in this country um, for a variety of reasons, many of them tied to a behavioral issue. So I go back to, you know, it's time to change the culture. It's time to say that, you know, I am going to make safety priority number one behind the wheel because you know, again, you know, the decisions, these are decisions we're making. These are things that we can take a step back and say, no, I shouldn't do that. I'm not going to do that. If you do that, that chance of that crash is going to be lessened significantly. So every one of us, the onus is on us to do something. and, And it starts with, you know, thinking about our behaviors and making a change.
9: Those
0: numbers from 2020 uh, were stunning because that was, you know, the pandemic year, uh, the first year when so many people were not even on the road, and yet the the numbers were still sky high.
11: Yeah, the numbers are high, and and we've seen um, we've seen a rash of very unsafe driving happening during the pandemic. We expected crash numbers and fatalities to go down in 2020. Um, the crashes actually went down, but the fatalities actually increased because of the kinds of behaviors. Uh, that, that we were seeing out there on the road. And I will say this, you know, I, I did indicate, you know, it's over 3,100 people were killed in distracted driving crashes. We know that number is likely higher. This is a problem that is grossly underreported. It's difficult to um, to incorporate this information into crash reports because many times people will not admit to the fact that I was on my phone, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why this happened. Um, you know, it, it's it's tough. So, uh, again, that's why I go back to the onus is on each of us to think about what we're doing. You know, I hope your listeners are really taking that number to heart. These are 3,100 people, moms, dads, children, friends, family members, who did not come home because someone made the decision to drive distracted. And that decision um, turned a family upside down. So, um, you know, we have to think about what we're doing because we can get these numbers down. We really can
0: do you have information online you recommend?
11: I would encourage folks um, in Ohio to, to, you know, the easiest thing to do is always Google, I always say, but look for your Ohio Highway Safety Office uh, within your Department of Public Safety. They have lots of information about this issue. You can also go to the GHSA website. It's just ghsa.org. We have a section focused specifically on distracted driving. talks about, you know, things you can do to protect yourself. Um, And and really, I I think the biggest thing, again, is just recognizing that um, we can change. You know, it's hard. Change is the hardest thing we do. Building new habits is difficult. Uh, But I would say, you know, definitely focus on, um, you know, that behavior. You get in the car, the first thing you should do, put your phone out of reach. Put it somewhere where you can't, you know, interact with it. Um, and remember that it will take messages for you, and when you get to your destination, you can check it and take it from there.
0: All right, Pam Fisher with the Governor's Highway Safety Association. Thanks for your time today. Sure appreciate it.
11: Thank you, Dave, and I say to you and all your listeners, be safe out there.
0: This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan, heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS-AM, that's 1460 ESPN Columbus, And Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS-FM. Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. (music) Join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective.